Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome back to another edition of the Chiefs Take Podcast. I'm going to be your host on this very fine, beautiful Wednesday evening as you beautiful people listen to this on a Thursday. I'm joined by my guy and very much a defensive back expert, Mr. Cody Bell. Cody, how goes it? Caleb, another Wednesday, baby. Another Wednesday. And this this is a good Wednesday. Anytime you go to Hard Rock Stadium and get a win, God, I love that place. It's a blast from the past. It was a blast from the past. Oh, yeah, making his triumphant return for a second week in a row is the man, the myth, the legend, the expert analysis from Mr. Peyton, the script spots. Peyton, how goes it? I'm good. How's everyone doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, it was a bad day to be an aquatic mammal on Sunday. <laughs> a beaver? Very no. bad, no good day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very bad day to be a Miami Dolphin, which started out being a very good day to be a Miami Dolphin because the Chiefs turned the ball over four times. I'm going to tell you this now. I'm assuming most of the people understand how football works. You turn the ball over four times, your quarterback – no matter who it is, throws three interceptions, you probably shouldn't win the game. Not these Chiefs. These Chiefs are a very much special, different team than we've ever seen before, ever. So I went back, and we were talking about this earlier on the show, of your win percentage based on turnovers, because there's no way, especially with a team that's capable like the Dolphins, that I think the Dolphins do have a good football team. I think down the road they're going to be a very, very, very good football team. There's no way that we should have beat them like we did having four turnovers. Now, this is the first game that Pat Mahomes has ever thrown three interceptions. Mm-hmm. If you would have told me that we would have was thrown three interceptions, point? we would have won the game. No way. I wouldn't have believed you. Right. What would you say, Peyton? But we're, uh, at any point in that game, did you feel like it was out of our control, like we weren't going to win that game? No. Not at any oh. given point. And you know what and I knew we were well, – That's why ahead, it's code. so crazy, though. So, this was done in 2018, but it looked over the last three seasons in the NFL. Zero turnovers, you had a 73% chance to win the game. One turnover, your percentage dropped to a 55. Two turnovers, your percentage to win the game dropped to a 40%. Three turnovers dropped to 18%. And based on the statistics, if you turn the ball over four or more times, and this, again, done in 2017, you had a 0% chance to win the game. It came out to 0. Three over 96 games. Yeah. You know, you can have a guy, though, like Patrick Mahomes, who one minute he's thrown two interceptions and your team is down 10 to nothing, and then the next time you look at the scoreboard, the Chiefs scored 30 unanswered, which was just one of the more ridiculous things. Those interceptions, though, for Mahomes, I thought they were both kind of interesting. One of them, you know, the screen pass was just a fluky kind of weird play all around. I think Mahomes saw the guy fall down and, you know, give credit where credit's due. That was just a great instinctual play to get back up and tip the ball in the air. He did overthrow Clyde. That was ugly. And then the best corner in the NFL, Mr. Xavier Howard, he went up and made a a phenomenal play guarding Tyree Kill one-on-one. And, of course, the McCole Hardman fumble after he – had shown how great he was by taking one of the house on that punt. He then proceeds to come down and fumble one away as the Chiefs are headed in to score. 
teams shouldn't win when they play like that. There's just no reason they should. But when you yeah. have Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you can do a lot of things the average football team can't. Yeah, and as a defense, anytime you have an opportunity to get a tipped interception, you just pray that you make the play because they don't come often, and the Dolphins got two of them. So nothing to be concerned about. Maybe you have something you Speaking wanted to add Travis, in there. There is a good chance he ends up leading the league in receiving yards, which has never been done by a tight end. What do you think this season ranks as – just an all-time season for not even tight ends, but players ever, if he ends up finishing it out like he's played this year. Dude, he's going to shatter the record probably this week against the Saints. If not, he's going to do it against the Falcons. I kind of would like to be there at that Falcons game if he doesn't break the record in New Orleans. I mean, it was just uh, you go out here and look at his numbers catching the football. And he had just another casual eight catches for 136 yards. He averaged 17 <laughs> yards, 17 yards of reception. And, you know, the Chiefs run that rollout in the end zone. And if those defenders, you know, why would – I don't even know why they would even step up and just leave him by himself. That's just so foolish. He's dominating. He's killing people right now. He's literally yeah. – the people – yeah, he's killing people. And, you know, number one, I saw people saying Gronk is the most dominant tight end of the ever ever number one don't ever disrespect Tony Gonzalez like that because Gronk isn't even close to any of those stats of all time number two at this point in Gronk's career where Kelsey's at right now Gronk was already decrepit and old and Kelsey looks like he's getting better and better every week we're seeing a unicorn right now guys we are seeing something that we have never seen before not only has he gotten better and better he's just gotten more and more mature like his think back to his careers in Kansas City Honestly, he was kind of a liability. You just never knew what he was going to do. He'd be running the, around with the ball in one hand, doing stupid stuff after the plays, and now he's like our more reliable players that we really count on, and I think guys on the team look up to him now. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, Peyton. I think, honestly, because if you look at it, because I think about like, okay, put Travis Kelsey on the Seahawks offense or put Travis Kelsey uh, – who else got to let – put Travis Kelsey with Tampa Bay. I don't think he's putting up the numbers there that he's doing here. And I think a lot of his production and increase in production is due to that relationship that he has with Patrick Mahomes. It just seems like, and we, I talked about it last week, that those two are always on the same page, mm-hmm. no matter what. And I think that's why you're seeing his, his jump in, in numbers. But another point, he should be the first tight end to win Offensive Player of the Year. He's very much well-deserved. And I think someone else that plays a huge role in his career – and how he's quickly becoming not just one of the most dominant tight ends in the NFL, but potentially a top five player like he's played like this season is Andy Reid. Because like Peyton had mentioned early in his career, if he's on another team, do you think he has a coach there that's going to be willing to put up with the antics and the cocky attitude he had coming in here and all the crazy stuff? Or Because I think, you know, there's a chance – based on his personality type, some teams might have not taken a chance on him with his issues out of college. Andy Reid coached his brother, Jason, the Philadelphia Eagles center in college or in a, when he was in Philly. So he knows the family and he took, they did take really a chance on him. He was considered a loose cannon with character issues. Any other coach, he might not be here right now. He might not even be in the league anymore, but Andy Reid has molded him into not only just, the leader on the field, but the, that team leader that the Chiefs really need and strive to have. And, you know, and he's one of those guys that help, that's helped Pat become the best quarterback in the NFL at the same time. Yeah, that's very true. He may not be in the league, but bouncing around team to team, not really finding his place. Now, he's a hell of a player, so that's a bit of a stretch. But, I mean, it's a very, very real possibility anytime you're dealing with someone with characters. Look at Josh Gordon. Mm-hmm. Josh Gordon's a hell of a player. He just – bouncing around team to team, can't find the chemistry, can't find, you know, a place where his role fits. And Well, he's found a home in Seattle. It's all good now. He's where he needs well, to be. Speaking of guys like that, Tyreek Hill, how many teams would have took a chance on him? I mean, I mean, yeah, shit. Won't be yeah. too long now before that high school football player that got arrested in Texas is a chief. He's a future chief in the making. <laughs> Uh, Chiefs do have yeah 
we're not going to get into all that now because even though the Chiefs do kind of, there are some of the players on the team now have kind of a funny history of off the field instances. Let's get back more into the football game though. And, you know, we kind of just talked, touched on Travis Kelsey doing things we've never seen before. Tyree Kill once again put up a, he's the most explosive player in the NFL. And when you look at it, you think he only caught three passes and he only touched the ball four times. Well, in those three passes, he had 79 yards and one touchdown on a 44-yard bomb. He averaged 26.3, and then they give him the ball one time on the end round, and it was a 32-yard touchdown run in which he literally just outran the angle of every defender yeah. and tightroped into the end zone. He leads the league in touchdowns. He's either leading the league or tied with Devontae Adams right now for touchdowns in the NFL. I mean, and I, looked, I saw a stat earlier today also. He's right now – I'm putting Tyree Kill as far as single season goes in the same conversation as Jerry Rice and Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson as far as being a receiver and being able to do what he's done this season as far as explosive playmaking. I mean, if you just look at any of his past maybe four seasons, just take one of those seasons, take that highlight reel – that's a that's a career highlight reel for any other player. And that's, that's Dexter just, McCluster's we're just, highlight we're just, reel. We're, we're just taking it for granted. <laughs> I'm not taking it for granted, but a lot of people I think kind of are, and that's just what we expect. Like he's just best best receiver I've seen play by far. Yeah, I think he's he's got to be included in that conversation. Just of his ability to get in the end zone. It's I think what he's got 16, 17 touchdowns on the season. So he's, yeah. he's on pace to score 20 touchdowns a season, and that's – there are few and far between of players that have that many seasons. And uh, truthfully, I'm just glad he's a chief. Yeah, I think he was, what, a third or fourth round draft pick? He's fifth. Fifth. There, there you go. You know what's special about him also is you get those track guys. We've seen a lot of them come through – come and go through Kansas City, you know. Good right. return guys like Dante – well, Dante Hall, all-time great return guy, but he didn't really, not really the greatest wide receiver offensive weapon. And then, you know, like Dexter McCluster, DeAnthony Thomas, and now even McCole Hardman to some extent. Those guys, what he separates him from those guys is, number one, he's way quicker, I think, out of his cuts than those guys are because those guys are like your straight-line speed guys. But he tracks the ball so much better than those guys, and I think that him just being – He's built a lot thicker than those guys, too, and he's got that explosiveness where he can just jump up and go get anything. And he is the Chiefs' closer because, once again, this yeah. week, game is on the line, fourth down. Chiefs have to convert so they can try to get more points and put the game out of reach. Fourth down, Andy Reid said, all right, we know what we're going to. It was a variation of the rollout play, and I had a feeling – going into that play they were going to try and roll out again because Mahomes out of the pocket is the best Mahomes and we saw them run a play a little curl play against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago where they sealed the game and this week they just kind of bring Hill on the little underneath or on the little out route as they're clearing out space for him and he was wide open he did step out of bounds there though and that kind of left a little bit of time for the Saint or for the Dolphins that was a mental mistake I noticed probably not too many people would notice this but like yeah. People who know the game realized instantly what a what kind of a big mistake that was. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he literally touched the ball five to four times and had around 130 yards total of offense and scored two touchdowns. Yeah, I think I would agree with you that he's a lot different than just the average track guy. But I think what separates him more than those guys, and you got to give a lot of credit to him and his ability to develop his game, but I think it's his ball skills. His ability to track the ball, his ability to have strong hands and jump ball situations, his ability just to win the one-on-one. I think you see a lot of guys – a perfect example is Miko dropping that touchdown – or that what would have been a touchdown that Mahomes threw a little bit behind him. I think yeah. Tyree catches that ball, spins around, and probably takes it for six. McColl a lot of those just, track guys just don't have great hands. Yeah, McColl is frustratingly inconsistent in his play. And Tyree, Literally – Every year he has gotten better at running routes. Like his first year, he made the Pro Bowl as a, as a return specialist. And as Chiefs fans, we thought we always thought he was more than that. But just that outside NFL fan base just kind of saw him as that. And, I mean, you could tell 
that if he just kept working and consistently improving, he could he would turn into what he did today, and he's he's there. Yeah, I remember the game. I knew Tyreek was going to be more than just that return specialist. That was that Sunday night game of the Cairo Santos hit that funky kick in Denver that barely went in, and we won in the last second of overtime. I think that game Hill scored like three touchdowns or something ridiculous like yeah. that, and the Chiefs won up then. That's when I knew for sure he was going to be the guy. Um, you know, this week I think something that was interesting this week was the rest of the Chiefs' offense and the rest of the Chiefs' pieces kind of had to pick up Patrick Mahomes, where usually we see Mahomes having to be the one to pick everyone else up. I think one of yeah. the I think one of the things that helped Mahomes get back into a rhythm after the interceptions was the fact that throwing those little quick checks to Clyde was messing yeah. them up. Dude, he was running through people's faces when he got into the second. <laughs> Did you guys see what he retweeted? Or what he tweeted out? I didn't see out? what he retweeted. Or he tweeted this out after the game. It was the highlight of him on that great run he had where he just ran through. And he said, my dog, like my dog, Marshawn Lynch, just said sometimes you got to run oh, through yeah. an MFer's face. Love to yeah, see that. Yeah, I, I did see that. But that's always kind of a generic – that's how you get a quarterback. That's how you clear his head, bring his confidence back right after throwing a couple of interceptions. Just a stink and dunk, get the short plays. And overall, they led to big gains. And I, it, and surprisingly, I really didn't even see just any reaction from Mahomes on those interceptions of him losing confidence or, or anything. So I was never too worried about it to begin with. But Clyde is special, man. I would like yeah. to see. I wish we would get more um, big playability out of him, like the Kareem Hunt taking it 70 yards. Uh, I don't think we'll see a lot of that in his career. I think those will be few and far between. He just doesn't have that breakaway speed. He's, you know, he is right. like a Brian Westbrook. He's just going to kill you 10 yards at a time. He averaged yeah. 11.8 yards per carry, and it put him over 1,000 yards rushing and passing on the – or receiving and rushing on the season. Now, so he's eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark already as a rookie in his first season. It's an interesting thing I thought of. How many rookies do we actually get to go see play in Andy Reid's offense as soon as they get drafted? Eric Fisher is one because he was number one overall pick. He has to play. And Clyde. I, who's, who's that? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt also is the other one. Those are the only three guys I think I can think of off the top of my head that were first-rounders. No, and Tyree Kill was played as a rookie, but he didn't really get going his rookie season on the Wasn't offensive a side. Not a starter till later on in yeah. the season. But, you know, from day one, and, and I know people were mad when we drafted Clyde, but from day one, it's apparent Andy Reid's had a plan for him. And I think the fact that this week he was averaging 11 yards a catch kind of shows you the direction the Chiefs might be getting ready to go in as we head into the stretch. Yeah, I, I would agree. Just what did you guys think, though, of the offensive lines play because I'll tell you the truth. It started out not too bad, but they were giving up. They started giving up a lot of pressure and they just played horrendously down the stretch. And now we are into a situation that we can get to when we talk about the saints preview, but Holy God, uh, Yasir Durant is not a very good tackle at all. We just have so many injuries and we're missing so many key pieces on the offensive line. It's hard for me to rag on them. I don't think, especially I would agree with you towards the end of the game, they, they didn't look great. Uh, Clyde had 16 carries for 32 yards. So he averaged two yards a carry. That's not very good. Le'Veon Bell, however, he did have two carries for 21 yards and averaged 10, but only two carries. It's a pretty small sample size. Yeah, I, I didn't think our offensive line looked great. But, again, we can cover up a lot of those issues, especially going forward when you have as many weapons as we do. They can just get the ball out quickly. Yeah. Right. Hey, gonna, oh, go it, ahead. Is, they're a legit, a legit defense. Don't take any way, anything away from them. That's very true. Um, we, I mean, we knew that coming in, and I thought, you know, we did what we had to do and got it done. That's all you can ask for. You know, that is, I agree. That is a good point. Yeah. They, they are a legit defense. I still thought that we would be able to run the ball a lot better than we did, which is to be concerning because the run defense isn't great. Their pass defense is one of the top pass defenses in the league. However, their run defense is probably somewhere around middle of the pack, around 15 or 16. 
Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's just crazy, though, but those three pieces I mentioned, Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, they can cover up a lot of bad football. And then when you throw in the fact that playoff Sammy is right around the corner jumping over people, special things are getting ready to happen. Special, special things are getting ready to happen. (laughs) Playoff Sammy is almost on the horizon. Oh, man. It it was good to see him kind of – because it – it felt like coming back off of his injury that he wasn't – I'm not going to say he was a shell of himself, but he just didn't feel like – you know, last year in the playoffs, it always felt like he was a guy that we could rely on that was going to consistently catch the ball in big moments. Because if you remember last year during the playoffs, we had a couple of really bad drops. And mm-hmm. I don't ever remember Sammy Watkins being one of those guys, but this game kind of felt like, okay, he's all right. We'll, Dude, I'd we'll be able to rely on him going forward. I forget how good he is just because of how infrequently we get to watch him play. I legitimately thought when he jumped that dude, he was going to take it to the house. If that guy wasn't there, he was going to take it to the house. We're getting ready to see him go off. And, you know, the complimentary guys like him and McCole Hardman and, you know, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, as we get closer down the line, teams are going to be selling out even harder to try to stop Hill and Kelsey. Those guys are going to have to help step up, carry some water themselves. Yeah, I would agree. Also, Sammy Watkins is probably a, a number one receiver on, I'm going to say, over 10 teams in the NFL probably. If not a number Three one, cats. a number two. Right. Yeah. Kayla, what yeah. would you say your uh, your biggest takeaway from the offense was? My biggest takeaway from the offense is literally they could score at will whenever they want, and when they get stopped, it has nothing to do with the other team. It is literally just the the Chiefs are the only thing that can beat the Chiefs on their offense right now. Yeah, I mean, to go off of that, my biggest takeaway is that we could throw three interceptions and have a fumble and and still be in, you know, control of the game. Yeah. Which is is unheard of. It never seemed like we were going to lose that game, which is crazy. You know why I didn't think we were going to lose the game? Because I think it's time to make a little transition to the defensive side of the football. But the defense stepped up in the first half. I know it got away from them in the second half. We They let the Dolphins back in the game. But the second I knew for sure we were going to win was after the Dolphins were driving after the second interception, I believe, and they settled for a field goal. Yep. You can't you cannot beat the Chiefs kicking field goals. No, you can't. And our, our defense I thought played well. I didn't think they played great. Um Tua was twenty eight of forty eight for three sixteens, two touchdowns and an interception from a rookie. You know, you'll you'll take it. Um I think my biggest takeaway from the defense is it was nice to see Chris Jones just be impactful for what felt like the entire game. Um Frank Clark wasn't missing. He had a sack. Now, outside of that sack, I don't think he did much of anything. It's almost like he got the sack, and he's like, all right, I'm done now. It'll go on the stat yeah. sheet, and hopefully I'll get one next game. Yeah. And then secondary-wise, the- I think our secondary is in shambles. All the packages and combinations of players that I'm I'm seeing back there, we're not giving up big plays necessarily, but I, I'm not sure what we're even trying to do or what identity we're trying to to make back there. Yeah, let's kind of start with that. Oh, go ahead, uh, When uh, Seattle, we got that, we got Frank from Seattle. One of the big things that they didn't like about him was they didn't feel like he was giving effort on, on all, all every play. And I think kind of seeing that some in Kansas City, like last year, he was all right during the regular season in the playoffs. He turned it up. If it is, do you guys think it's just his motor, like when he decides to play or when he doesn't, or what's the deal with him? I don't know. The sack he got this week, to me, was just more of his – he literally just out-athleted Austin Jackson, yeah, just, the Dolphins' young left tackle. He just – he speed-rushed right. him. He got low, and he took away the surface so he couldn't even get a hand on him. It was literally all out-athlete. He still – we're still not seeing him using any of the combo moves we saw him use last season or in Seattle. You know, he's – I think he rushes the passer and plays hard – a good percentage of the time, he's just not really been able to get anything going as far as a combo move, a bull rush, or any a bull rush, or an alpha speed move, or a rip out of a bull rush. Do you think that's effort, or what do you think that is? 
I don't know. I think a skill level. Well, not a skill level. I mean, I I just I don't I don't honestly I don't know internally if there's something going on. Um, athletically, he seems to be doing the same. It's just pass rush moves aren't effective. But Caleb, going back to that sack, I don't even know if he out athleted him. I think that he just timed the snap so perfectly. But the time the left tackle was able to get set, he was already around the corner. And there was almost nothing he could have done. If you look at a lot of the sacks he's had in his career, he is very good at getting off the ball and figuring out the quarterback's cadence. He's just not one of those – he's only about six foot three, right? So you assume he's probably got to have some get off to be able to rush the passer at six three. He's not a big hulking – he's not like a big J.J. Watt back in his prime, you know, six six with long arms. He can do all that. Yeah. And, you know, I just don't see the same power I did last season out of him, and I don't see the same power even close to what he had when he was in Seattle. I don't know if that has to do with his stomach bug and some of the weight that he's lost has made him less effective or what the deal is with that, but it's baffling. Yeah, because I wouldn't say it's a skill level or his ability to move. I mean, clearly when he's coming off the edge, he looks athletic and he looks fast. I just think if, he, if the tackle gets his hands on him, there's just not a lot he's, he can do. Okay, you're probably right on that. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good overall performance for the Chiefs' defensive line because if you look at the Dolphins' numbers also – they really struggled to run the football. They only were able to get 3.3 yards of carry. So that's – you always like to see that. And, you know, they had four sacks, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and then the young studs who make up less than 1% of the active roster combined, Mike Dana. <laughs> Mike Dana with his best game ever. Big sack, big couple of big TFLs. Just – Cody, he's going to be a good – I think he's going to be a key player for us in the future. And then Turk Wharton. The pride of S&T just smoking. <laughs> Him and Chris Jones' athletic ability in there is causing some issues. The pride of the GLVC. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if Mike Dana is going to be a key player. I don't know that I've seen enough. It does seem that he's consistently putting himself in the right positions to make plays throughout the game. I don't know if he'll ever be like a, a dominant force like Chris Jones. I think he's going to be like I an Alex he- Okafor. Yeah, I could see him having, you know, a 10, 12-year career, pending he stays healthy, and, and he'll contribute for the Chiefs for a while. Yeah. Caleb, you know who else had a good game on the D-line who you really didn't see it on the stat sheet, but you could tell? Mr. Naughty. Every Naughty week. Had a good game. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think is the uh, – what do you guys think, though, the fact that they have – Two young guys like Wharton and Dana, guys that are just high motor, high effort guys. You know, Dana, not a tremendous athlete, but certainly a very – he's a high IQ football player and he's a very technically sound football player and he plays assignment defense. And then you have a guy like Wharton. When you see those guys out there succeeding, but then you – do you think that's just because they're playing well or do you think it's because teams are paying extra attention to guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark? And probably not even I would paying love, extra attention at this point. I I was going to say, I would love to say that teams are paying extra attention to Frank Clark, but I just don't think they are. Um, I genuinely think that Tershawn Wharton is – I think he's just physically strong. Um, he's athletic. I, I, I think he's just one of those guys that's found at one of those smaller schools that, truthfully, he's just a good football player. At this point, I'm – what it is, but that's exactly what the city chiefs need. Just low-key guys on defense that aren't going to take too much out of the cap because, I mean, we have three first-round Hall of Famers, Kelsey, Hill, and Mahomes. Like, we're going to have – we're they're going to take up a big chunk of the cap going forward yeah. and Clyde. Um, Frank Clark. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah, already paid him. Chris Jones paid him. So we're going to need some guys to step up that aren't necessarily big contract guys, big big name guys that just go in there and get it done. Yeah, 100%. Something interesting I thought of, though, I've been saying the Chiefs have to develop edge pressure to kind of help Chris Jones get back into those one-on-ones. Maybe now it's going to be the time where they say, all right, we got to get Wharton a few one-on-one looks to keep teams honest from sliding Jones's way every time in protection. 
because as yeah. we saw this week, he got lined up in a one technique for Solomon Kinley, and he just took one hard step out, and he literally shot right through the A gap and blew up Tua. So I definitely think that there's a ton of – he's got – I think Tershawn Wharton right now probably has some of the most potential of any player on the Chiefs defense, which is wild considering the fact that he's probably one of the lowest paid guys on the team. Him and Legereus Sneed. I think will be two guys out of that draft class that they'll be contributors on the Chiefs defense for a long, long time. Caleb Legereus Sneed, when I watch him technique wise, patience, how comfortable he looks, he's going to be a hell of a player. What did you, how do you play the, this? The only league? question is, I thought he played solid. I mean, he's a rookie. He's not going to be perfect. Um, Pro he Football led the team Focus in tackles. put out a tweet today. Yeah, he did. Pro Football Focus put out a day that he has yet to allow a, a pass over 20 yards in man coverage. I'll take it. Now, a couple of them have just been either bad throws or drop balls, but, again, he's a rookie. Right. But just, right. just what I see is his technique and his ability to be and look as comfortable as he is playing the position, coming from a smaller Division One school to basically being a day-one starter in the NFL, um, he's going to be a hell of a player. And what is the hardest position to play on the field, Cody Bell? Physically left tackle. Left tackle. You would say left tackle? Yeah. You, you imagine being way fatter and way slower and way less athletic than the person you have to go against and then try to stop them while you have to move backwards. That sounds like quarter, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the secondary, you know, I think LeJerry Seed's going to be a ball player. I'm, I get excited That's to watch him play. You know what? I don't know anything about secondary play, but I know when he tackles people, he wraps them up the right way. And if yeah. we can do that, that's fine. I'm down for all that. I thought Rashad Fenton played a good game. Breland, he was iffy, I thought, this game. Did not, Rashad not too Fenton good. is physical. That's where he he's going to make physical it. physical quarter. Yeah. He, got, he got the Honey Badgers interception this week from just going up and making a play. <laughs> I've had yeah. to listen to – Dude, people have been hated, hated on Fenton at the start of this season. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are seeing. Like, they had him in the Super Bowl and big reps and like that, uh, like that slot safety or whatever, like on the nickel yeah. package. Like, they obviously have confidence in him. And it showed this week again, Dolphins try to take potentially a game-changing shot down the field, and he runs right with his man and knocks the ball out in right place, right time for the old honey badger. Yeah, you touch on a lot. He's far exceeded expectations of a six-round draft pick. Yes. Far Very exceeded so. those expectations. Very much so. Oh, man. the uh, Just kind of another rough week to be old Ben Neiman. God. We're going we're gonna to talk about this. I know we will whenever we get to the questions part of it. But good God. I mean <laughs> – what more do we have to see? What does he have – does he literally have to not make – I don't, I don't know. I, it, I'm thinking of situations of things he could do to maybe not play any more snaps for the Chiefs. He's done them all. Now, I understand <laughs> it's very hard to play in the NFL. It's a very tough league. But what does he have to do to show you that his backup is way better than him? It's just – it's mind-boggling. You know what he did this week? He dropped a for sure interception. Just he'll never be gifted anything that easy the rest of his life to him ever. And homeboy dropped it. It's it's just <sighs> mind-boggling. So I what did you guys think of the Chiefs defense was doing that the last few drives? Because you know, they let the Dolphins kind of go down and score pretty easily in the fourth quarter, even after I thought. Because I thought up until the fourth quarter, it was literally one of the Chiefs' better defensive performances of the season. And then they kind of let the Dolphins in. Do you think that was a lack of the Chiefs' offense not executing to run the clock out effectively? Or do you think it was Spags getting a little conservative and kind of calling the dogs off on defense or a combination of the two? It's probably a combination of the two because I do remember texting a couple people that, like, God, I hope Andy doesn't get conservative here. It's clear that we can't run the ball for any positive yards. Just put it in Mahomes' hands and throw it. But it is that situation where you do have to run the ball, make them use their timeouts, or just burn clock. 
But then also, I, I just think the Dolphins just kind of drove the field on us. They they pretty much dinked and dunked us, or what felt like dinked and dunked us the whole game. Um, they averaged like 4.8 yards a play. And in the NFL, anything under five, they you can do. pretty much say that, yeah, that's we're, we're getting dinked and dunked down the whole They, they really didn't the, have any big plays. They used the Panthers game plan on offense, and I think they tried to use the Patriots game plan on defense against the Chiefs. Because if you looked, their defensive ends were trying to, like, make on the one big sack Mahomes had when he lost. I know I'm getting off topic on defense. I just thought this is interesting to see. They had their defensive ends pinching hard in on the tackles to shrink the pocket so Mahomes couldn't step up and they could kind of try to make him drift out. You know, they didn't execute it as well in the end as New England did. But then I thought they were using the exact same game plan the Panthers did, just short stuff, short stuff, short stuff. Yeah. And you know the Chiefs are like, that's fine. We'll play these games with you all day because it takes you ten plays to go do this. It takes us two. Right. And the theory behind that is eventually you'll get them to third down and no team's going to, you know, be 100% efficiency on third down. And the Dolphins, I think they were right around 15%. I think they were – yeah, they were seventh and 15. So so right around there. And Yeah. What seems to be the theme of the Chiefs is – Right, don't give up any big plays, but we always play so well probably about the first five drives. The th- first three to five drives we play really well, and then after that it just seems like we're not adjusting as well as we did last year in certain aspects. And so I just yeah. think the Dolphins just drove, the field, drove down the field on us. You know, I'll also say this. I don't know if it'll ever be the actual Chiefs defense's fault they lose a game. Because we all know in the end who it's going to come down to. So, and you know what? God forbid the Dolphins go down on one of those possessions and they take a one-point lead. Yeah, right. Clutch, Clutch Harrison Butker is the most lethal weapon the NFL has, actually. You put him in the game with the game on the line, and he's like John Wick in there. He's going to go in there, and he's going to just completely ruin your day. He's just a <laughs> I think the dude's a psychopath, to be honest with you. He needs a mental evaluation. <laughs> you take Why do you think he's a psychopath? Well, Peyton, what'd you say? You'd take him over Justin Tucker. Yeah, dude. Okay, Justin Tucker's a great kicker. He banged in that long one the other night. But, you know, Harrison Butker, he's just like, seems like your average everyday guy. He's like Dexter, you know. You know, Justin Tucker's like a Navy SEAL. He just goes in and gets the job done. Harrison Bunker, he kind of walks around, talks to people, shakes hands, and then in his part pastime, he's a serial killer. And his pastime comes <laughs> at the end of the game when the game is on the line, and he's just got to kill you. That's I definitely still got a 100%. Bad taste right now. <laughs> What'd you say? That's 100% Caleb's Chiefs bias is what that is. Probably. That's what I'm saying. I still kind of got a base on my mouth from the like previous weeks of him shanking them, and he, he's not been consistent on PATs. Those kicks weren't big yeah. enough. Those kicks they were not big enough situations okay, for him to, to have to get into the serial killer mode. That's that's not a bad point. I mean, John Wick does quit, make him John, John Wick quit being a serial killer for a long time, and then he had to get back into it. Why the game was on the line again all of a sudden? Somebody killed his dog. Somebody killed his dog. <laughs> no. If touching on special teams real quick though, the McCole Hardman punt return was pretty sweet. He, yeah. He just he just he outran everybody. And probably one of the most underrated plays of importance, you know, on during that game. Okay, we don't score that. There, it could be a whole different game. We could be talking about a Chiefs loss. That and Chris Jones' safety, big plays. Yeah. Big, plays. big plays. Giant plays. Yeah. Well, I think we'll let the listeners in on a little secret, but I thought I thought the show was – yes. I thought yesterday was Wednesday. Yesterday was Tuesday. So I was all confused on our recording schedule and might have been having a few drinks, so – we're going to answer some questions that people commented. And so we're all going to answer them. We're all going to give our opinion and we're just going to talk about them. They're mostly all chiefs related. I guess no one wanted life advice from us. Sucks to be them, I guess, but let's go ahead and uh, I'll read the first question. And the first question is from 
Tucker D. Franklin, at Tucker Franklin. This guy, he is the editor of Sports Illustrated Arrowhead Report, and he has a pretty decent podcast and has some pretty good content. But his comment to us was, what is your biggest takeaway from the Chiefs' win this week against the Miami Dolphins? And for me, my biggest takeaway is – even when the Chiefs are at their very worst, they're so much better than the next level of competition. It's not even funny. Yeah, I think pretty much piggybacking what you said. We're winning games we shouldn't win. Like, if you just take any other team, no chance they win. Like, in the past, the Chiefs in the past, no chance. With Alex, like you said before the show, if, that, if Alex Smith has a game like – yeah, no yeah. disrespect to Alex Smith, but if he throws four picks or three picks, then we'd lose by 20. Yeah, I think I would agree with Peyton. I mean, that that kind of has to be your biggest takeaway of the game, right? Because we didn't really do anything exceptional. Well, the most exceptional thing that happened, and, and this is crazy to think about, Mahomes made his worst play of his career in December of the 2020 season in a game that we – handily won, or at least it felt like, which was a 30-yard sack. Yeah. Yeah. So That was the only really exceptional thing that happened. So I think the biggest takeaway was probably that we could play really bad and still be really good. Yeah. Like Peyton said last week, we just like to play down to the level of our competition most of the time. All right. Next question is from Madeline Harris at Harris underscore Madeline. Who in the NFC would you like to see and not want to see in the Super Bowl? My answer, any of them. We'll take Seahawks, Packers, Saints, whoever. I don't care. The NFC is not showing me much this season, to be honest. Peyton, I'll let you go first. I would agree with you on that. But the only team that I think that could compete with us in a shootout would be the Green Bay Packers right now. So I'll just leave it at that. I would agree. I think the team that I would most like to see, though, is the team that we're going to play this week. The Saints. Saints. Assuming, assuming Drew Brees doesn't come back, even if he does come back, I don't think Drew Brees is the same quarterback he used to be or anywhere close. Um the Saints don't worry me at all just because of the threat that they pose on offense, that when you're playing the Chiefs, if you have a couple three and outs, the Saints offense and how they're built right now, they're not going to beat us. The team that I wouldn't like to see, I would agree with you, Peyton, is probably the Green Bay Packers. I think that they have a good enough run game to pose threats to be able to control the game if we get down. But then also that if they're behind, they have enough weapons on offense and Aaron Rodgers that um, they give themselves a chance to come back. There is one team in the NFC that I didn't mention that kind of worries me. Actually, I did mention them. It's the Seahawks. And the Seahawks worry me because I also think, maybe you guys don't see it this way, but I think between Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, they could maybe go blow for blow with us if it came down to it. But – that we have a long, we have a couple we have a couple of months to go before we get into all this Super Bowl talk. All right, now I've got another question, and it's kind of a goofy one from an account called Jaw No, and it said, "How do you feel about a possible KC versus the Washington <laughs> Football Team Super Bowl?" And I feel like there is just no way ever that happens unless hell freezes over. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, here's, go ahead, Peyton. Go ahead, no, go ahead Peyton. One of you's got to freaking talk. I'm going to say, I'm here for it, but then, yeah, there's, there's no, there's no chance. None. Yeah. So pro- there's probably not a chance. I mean, realistically speaking, just because, we're talking about the Washington football team. But they are probably going to make the playoffs. They are going to make and the playoffs. It would be cool to see Mahomes and Alex Smith. Now, okay, if we did play them, we would probably put up 40 and beat them by 40. But it would be cool to see Alex Smith and Mahomes duel it out in the playoffs. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, but it's Alex Smith in the playoffs, so they're going to take their first-round game and be out of there 
real quick, fast, and in a hurry. All right, let's take a look at the other questions we got rolling in here for the show. And as I am looking at it, we have a question from the Kingdom of Emporium at NFL Fan Stock Doc. Stop Doc. And they are asking us, how Ben Neiman, how is Ben Neiman on the field more than Willie Gay? And I would be lying straight to their faces. I respect them for the question, so I'm just going to be honest with them. I don't know. I have no clue. No idea, actually. <laughs> hey, I'm going to let you handle this one because, because uh, it comes out of my mouth. We kind of touched on it last I was just – I just kind of gave the general answer, oh, maybe he knows the defense better. I mean, that doesn't even make up for it at this point. Like, Jesus Christ, what? Are, why is he on the field? I posted a clip on Twitter this week of Willie Gay seeing that reverse. The Like, the not the, not the reverse, like the jet sweep they tried to throw. And it was just good coverage. So, he, the dude tried to reverse field and run it. And, Will, there was 10 yards of separation. You just see Willie go – full into full sprint close mode. And I literally could not believe I just saw a linebacker move that fast for the Chiefs. And inversely, a couple of plays later, I saw Ben Neiman get mauled and I watched a, a grown man <laughs> physically abuse him across the field. So, yeah, I'm not going to lie to the man. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I – Maybe we don't like good linebacker play here at Kansas City. I don't, I had a, I I don't have know a why he's not playing. I have a theory on it. I think that Roger Goodell has called the Chiefs and say, you have to have Neiman on the field at least this many plays a game to keep it fair for the other teams. <laughs> it's better than anything I think. It, uh, he makes – what's crazy is he, it's not like – he get okay. Let's say he does give up big plays. Does he not make any plays? He makes a lot of plays. That's what I'm on saying. Special teams in the run game in the pass game. You know what if it's uh, like a Patrick Mahomes situation? We're just getting a little sprinkle of Willie now, and you know because I remember at the end of Alex Smith's time, everyone was just clamoring for Mahomes, especially after we saw him in that start versus Denver, and everyone was just we're done with Alex. We're ready to be rid of Alex. And, you know, maybe we're going to have a situation like that, even though Alex Smith was a very serviceable quarterback and really a pretty good quarterback, a consistent top 10 quarterback when he was with the Chiefs. So maybe next year we'll get to see Willie. Frank Veach, best GM in football. Do you think he's thinking, hey, maybe that's not – well, it doesn't really – like really wouldn't us winning or losing at this point not let him see the field that much to where his value goes way up to where I have to pay him? That could be. I mean, but then again. I I don't know any other reason. Then again, from a football perspective, you see Ben Neiman just getting abused by another grown man, and you just (laughs) got to question what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, no idea. That's just a shot in the dark right there. PFF is his average grade this season on defense has been like close to below 40%. If you, if for like a regular job, if you do your job 40%, well, you're going to be in the welfare check line, buddy. You can't be performing like that. (laughs) All right. We got to move on because, like I said, I'm done talking about it because it's frustrating me. I'm looking through my mentions to find the next one. Some dumb person said George Kittle is better than. Travis Kelsey, they're idiots. He's part of the Zero IQ Football Club. I'm going to move on. Okay. So this is from he might fall. be the president. That yeah. might be the president. Could be. <laughs> Just admit you don't watch Travis Kelsey play football. And it's all good. <laughs> okay. We got from, from Pelos at Blue Meanie 76020. Some really funny names from our followers. What does the future of the Chiefs offensive line look like? Cap, prospects? draft free agents i'm assuming it's talking all about the offensive line um there's a lot of questions in my opinion and especially at the well for starters eric fisher will most certainly be back next year i assume nick allegretti who's performing well will be back again next year also between austin rioter and andrew wiley just not being very good mitchell schwartz and kaleche osimile both being old and hurt 
Uh, that's up in the air. It's up in the air whether Laurent Duvernay-Tardif will come back. And, yeah, there's just a lot of questions. I think this year in the draft, we almost certainly see the Chiefs address the offensive line. But also, Lucas Nyang has been told repeatedly from my sources have told me that Lucas Nyang is being contacted nearly daily by the Chiefs for them to check in on him and see how he's doing. And they're hammering the home the point with him that he needs to be ready to start at probably right tackle as soon as next season. Well, that's yeah. pretty strong. And those are pretty reliable sources. We've kind of talked about it. And that's probably the most likely scenario mm-hmm. is what you laid out. Now, I'm going to lay out the best case scenario because – this offensive line, thinking about it, makes me really, really happy. So, best case scenario, Mitchell Schwartz comes back healthy, back to some form of his old regular self. LDT comes back and secures up the right guard spot. Lucas Nyang comes back, and he could probably play guard in the NFL, right? Yeah, and then I would say move Allegretti to center and get right around because Allegretti has played center in college before, so he can do that. Right. And then that's assuming – we're relying on a on a rookie that hasn't played in the NFL yet, assuming um, Osmelli is done with football like a lot of people think that he's going to be. Now, assuming he comes back healthy and plays at the level that he was playing at before his injury this season, and then Eric Fisher at left tackle, that's a solid offensive line. Very it's solid. Not a, it's not a top five offensive line, but top 10, top 15, it, it'd probably be somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's three names that Chiefs fans should keep an eye on for this draft, and they're all guys that have the ability to play. Well, two of them are the guys that have the ability to play guard or tackle, and one of them has the ability to play guard or center in the draft this year. These are guys that are going to go in the first round. I think they're probably some of my highly ranked recruits. One of them is Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. He has actually just won the, the Big Ten offensive lineman of the year award this past week and if anyone watches Ohio State play you know how they like to play they play physical downhill football he's a very solid player I think he plays center or guard and then Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern another Big Ten guy Um, he played tackle last season he opted out of this season to continue to train Um, his best film the best game he played of his career was against um Chase Young, he pancaked Chase Young three times that game. So you know he's got the ability and the skill to be a big-time physical technician. Don't think he has the NFL size to be a tackle, but he'll slide in nicely to guard. And then the other guy, he's just a pure mauler. I think he's the best pure pass protector out of that group is Trey Smith out of the University of Tennessee. He is a physical monster of a human. He's about 6'6", probably weighs about 325 and he snatches souls, and he is very fast in the open field. Those are three guys I'd keep my eye on if I were Chiefs fans. Is that assuming that what's the kid from Oregon, Panini Sueli? Sueli? Cody, he'll be gone in three picks, two or three picks. Yeah. He ain't last. I was going to say, that's assuming that he's gone. The I Jets was hearing reports gone. that his senior season wasn't as strong as um, scouts would like. That's why I was asking. He, op- he opted out of this year. He's he's only like a sophomore or a junior. He opted out of this season. He hasn't played, but Jeff Schwartz, if you follow him on Twitter, he's a former Chiefs player. Mitchell Schwartz is his brother, but he does a lot of offensive line breakdown. You know, I know he might he's an Oregon guy also, so he might just be trying to hype him up. But there's a lot of offensive line experts between him and Duke Mayweather on Twitter that are saying that Sewell is the finest offensive tackle prospect that's ever come out for the draft. I thought he played in at least three games this year. Mm-hmm. He opted out. Yeah. He opted out. The kid they have in there playing right now is a really highly ranked player at Oregon. He's struggling a little bit, but he's just a two. He's a, young, he's a young player. They He's like a freshman and he, they had like no preseason hardly at all in the Pac-12. So nothing to worry about there. That's probably Peyton, what I saw. Though. Peyton, I know you know about a lot about the offensive line. What do you, you take oh. anything away from that? <laughs> Whole bunch about I the mean, offensive line. Honestly, I I just feel like we've been playing with like a no disrespect, just like kind of a ragtag, throwing people in every week. I mean, next year I'm very hopeful it'll be a lot better. Uh, I'm just happy 
I don't know if it's Patrick just under pressure. He's incredible. Or if they're actually holding up as well as you would. He's incredible. By looking at it. Yeah. So what if, yeah. what if that's the worst thing we could do to Patrick Mahomes is get him a, a competent, strong offensive line that shows up consistently every week. Well, you say that, but then again, a competent, strong offensive line would let him sit back there all day and allow like Tyree kill just to keep running as fast as he can. And eventually <laughs> he's just going to outrun you. Well, we literally could see some hundred yard touchdowns if we had a strong, competent offensive line. I'll bet it's, when we get into the saints here, if we have time to get into the saints here in just a minute, I'm a little concerned about the chiefs offensive line this week. But I'm going to move on to our last question, and it's kind of a funny one from Hushpook at Hushpook. And his take is Superman, Spider-Man, Patrick Mahomes are in a Texas death match. How bad does Mahomes kick their ass? Uh, well, first off, he's going to throw a football through Uncle Ben's chest, so Peter Parker, Spider-Man, won't even be there for that. And – Superman, you know, he can try to use all of that. Uh, I thought Superman actually used to wear number 12 for the New England Patriots, but it appears that we have found his kryptonite, and his kryptonite is Patrick Mahomes. So that's my, that's my take on that. My question to you is, we were down 24 to zero, right? Mm-hmm. And how bad was it really? It wasn't that bad. Wasn't so that bad. Whatever odds he stacked against, I'll take Mahomes. We'll take it. He'll take them all out. Yep, Mahomes. Mahomes might as well be uh, might as well be Thanos. Let's not say that. We all know how that ended up. He's like Luke Skywalker. All right, real quickly before we guys get out of here, what do you guys think about the game versus headed versus the Saints? Because I know I'm concerned with the fact that Eric Fisher didn't practice today and Mike Rimmers went out and Mitchell Schwartz is already out and we might have – there's the potential there could be one original starting offensive lineman from the time the season started that's in there, and that would be Mr. Austin Ryder, who, as we know, is a very average football player. That's what concerns me. That's my biggest takeaway. What do you guys got? I So I kind of talked about this earlier on the show. I think it is you have every right to be concerned about our offensive line play. But just the threat that the Saints offensively pose to our very mediocre defense and how effective the Chiefs offense can be despite a mediocre, below-average offensive line, I think we can kind of scheme some of that up, get Mahomes out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. and still give us a chance to put up 30 points. While I don't think that the Saints can do that. Um, so the Saints, the Saints don't worry me as much as, as people would think. Now their defense, they are very sound defensively. They've got a lot of good players on defense. Um, Cameron Jordan, I still think Malcolm Jenkins is a good player. Marshawn Lattimore. Um, but Trey Hendrickson, right. breakout player I've been, I've of the been, year. Yeah, I've been more concerned about other teams. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And has Mahomes proved to crack under pressure? Negatory. No. For me, the house, and he, I mean, that's when he's been at his best this year. When he's got guys in his face, you just throwing it downfield touchdown, Kansas City Chiefs. He cracked under pressure one time when he put up 50 points on Monday Night Football against the Rams in 2018. Yeah. That's the he, closest he's came. Just kind of ran out of time, and yeah. Orlando Skandrick was busy that day being burned. He kind of ruined that one for <laughs> yeah, everyone involved. Barbecue chicken. Um, it was uh, Robert Sutton. Yeah. Let's not even talk like that. I'm it's never want to think about that. It's a new day. No, this just kind of concerns me that Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson are very good pass rushers we could have a comical unit of clowns in there playing offensive line like <laughs> Mr. Yasir Durant, who's right. a Mizzou I mean, guy. Caleb, you're, you're an O-line guy. Has there been a week you're like 100% confident in our O-line, our lineup going into no. a week? No, okay. not because our IOL is terrible. But let me tell you this, though. When Mitchell Schwartz is healthy and playing well, you're hard-pressed to find a better right tackle in the NFL. And 
Eric Fisher, I'm not afraid to say, is probably a top 10 left tackle in the NFL. The thing is, though, you take those guys away, you see how much pressure the interior guys give up, and you see how much teams are starting to try to have to rely on pressuring the homes off the edge. And you see you see Durant going there and give up a sack effective immediately. It's going to be rollout city this week. <laughs> so we'll see. Screen you know, city and rollout city. Yeah. We might as well just put Anthony Sherman in a tackle this week. <laughs> might as well. All righty. Guys, it's time. Peyton almost hit on his Chiefs take last week. Almost. What were they? What was their percentage in the red zone, Peyton? It was high. It was like 75%. They missed one. They did not score on one red zone possession. Is that the one that Miko fumbled? I believe it was. Might have been. I believe so. What was yours last? What was yours last week? Mine? Yeah. What, what did you I said the Chiefs would take advantage of their poor run defense. And Clyde would rush for, I think, 125 and two touchdowns. And Clyde did not even rush for 80 yards. Nope. So Mine that was, was a, that was a terrible take. I predicted that Willie Gay would play like 70 snaps, and I couldn't have been even more further wrong because Ben Neiman played over 70 snaps. <laughs> oh, for. All right, Peyton, lead us off. What is your Chiefs take of the week this week? Come next week, New Orleans fans are going to be questioning who their quarterback of the future is. Ooh, burning up a little bit in here. <laughs> I like that. I think Taysom Hill's pretty overrated, to be honest with you. I think he's overrated. I think he's just a lot like a, a quarterback that you're going to have to build a system around. And I don't think the Saints are built like that. Yeah. The Saints are at their best when Drew Brees can just get back there and dump it out quick to Kamara, Thomas, Michael Kamara. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, what's your Chiefs take this week, brother? Caleb, I think Peyton might be onto something about the quarterback controversy in New Orleans. I think you might be onto something with your Chiefs take, and I'm going to go back behind it. I think Chris Jones has a big week this week, and he gets three sacks. That's a good take. Sack City in New Orleans. The Saints offensive line, Andres Pete, who he's uh, he's their uh, left guard, I believe. He's either left or right because he's got to be one of those because he plays guard. He has given up four sacks this season, and the NFL is – basically he's basically fourth in the he's basically like fourth in the NFL and giving up sacks and he is a guard so that is not good especially for a guard so hopefully Chris Jones can use that athletic ability yeah and especially in a game where it could be a defensive battle you're gonna need those big defensive plays so hopefully he'll come out and play with a lot of energy that we've seen him do and he hits home all right Here's my Chiefs take of the week, and I had to go back and do a little back research today before the show started. There is a player in the Chiefs secondary who is third in the NFL in interceptions who is from the New Orleans, Louisiana area, survived Hurricane Katrina there, and has been a positive role model for not only the New Orleans and Louisiana state community, but also the Kansas City community. I am talking about Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, as he makes his triumphant return to his hometown. The only other game he's played actually in New Orleans was his rookie season when he was with the Cardinals. In that game, he recorded 10 total tackles and an interception, which I would say that's a pretty good football game. This week for Tyron Matthew, I predict he'll have over 10 tackles. I predict he will force a fumble and have an interception. That is my Chiefs take Whoa. this week. Let's go. I think I it's going to so, man. I want to, I can't wait to see the group celebrations after the pick. You know, I'm going to up it. I'm going to up it to a pick six. I think he scores a touchdown in his hometown. That would be crazy. I, I would love to see him force a fumble just because you always see him punching at the ball. And sometimes he'll even sacrifice the tackle just to get punches on the ball. It'd be nice to see him punch one out. You know what I just thought of though, just real quick. It's kind of like a home game for Clyde also. Yeah. 
bonus Chiefs take right here. I'm laying a bonus one down. I Uh-oh. think that Clyde Edwards-Solaire is going to have over 150 all-purpose yards this week. I like that. that take, especially with the state of our offense, maybe not being able to get time. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, there's a lot of Chiefs players that are from like that New Orleans, Louisiana, kind of like Mississippi, Southern, you know, the South down there. So this is potentially a big game for a lot of guys. Boys, yep. it's been an absolutely great one. I yep. believe this has uh, probably been one of our longest episodes we've done. It's always fun yep. to sit here and talk about a Chiefs win. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about another one here in about seven days' time. You guys have any closing remarks before I get us out of here? We be, we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about another Chiefs win. Yes, sir. Yep. Same shit, different day. Peyton, who, Peyton, who's in a bad day to be on Sunday? Bad day. To be a New Orleans Saint. All right, everybody. This has been the Chiefs Take Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live, brought to you by Border Fuel Sports Media. Guys, I've had a blast. It's been fun. Everybody, let's keep on keeping on.